Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Welcome to the House of Latitude, where absolute discretion is demanded in exchange for entry into a mysterious social experiment in the form of an elaborate, immersive experience. Drawing from a community of curiosity seekers, this secret society becomes a way of life for some, putting increasing pressure on the organizers to maintain the sophisticated and fantastical parallel world. And that is the story behind this wonderful, very involving, and very entertaining documentary film called In Bright Axiom. And we're joined today by the director, Spencer McCall, as well as subject and organizer and um, provocateur uh, of uh, the House of Latitude, and that would be Jeff Hall. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you very much, Mike. So glad to be here. Thank you. Jeff, did I describe you accurately? Is there anything you want to add to my description of you in terms of... Um, I think that's fair. I, I might have, uh, you know, hesitated at the word provocateur <laughs> in the sense that, like, sorry. To, pro- to provoke is one thing or to, you know, shock or, or something like that. But, like, really, I try to build invitations for people to take you know, small risks and go outside of their comfort zones in a very meaningful way. I think that's a very apt description, and thank you. Thank you for adding to it. I I absolutely agree. Well, I'm going to start with Spencer and ask him how this evolved into what we know as In Bright Axiom. I had made a film um, a few years ago called The Institute that was uh, of a similar vein. It was also a, a project that Jeff spearheaded and created and was the artistic director for, and it was just this really rich, beautiful, immersive world. Don't like using that term too often because back then that wasn't really even like a term that was being used. It was just something entirely different and new. But I saw it as world building and telling a really fascinating story. And so by making that, you know, I uh, ended up forming a relationship with Jeff. And, uh, you know, I started working on that after that was over. And Jeff, meanwhile, was off building out and creating this new world, which is the world of the latitude. And uh, at that time, because the way that I had made the last film was very retroactive, like I wasn't there the whole time filming. And so it was very difficult to actually get like any footage of, you know, what actually happened back then. And so I just sort of asked Jeff, you know, you're working on this new thing. Let, let me do this right this time. Let me actually start documenting and, and, really following this process. That said, you know, I thought the process would probably go on for about, you know, 10 years or so. And right as sort of the plane is taken off and and hitting some, like, nice trade winds, there's an emergency landing back down uh, to the (laughs) ground. And and so that's the direction that the documentary kind of had to go as well. You know, for better or worse, that is the documentation of events that happened. And sometimes you can't control the narrative even if you you couldn't control the narrative i would want to at times but with this i wanted it to be as straightforward as i could get um that said you know it was difficult sometimes getting a lot of people to want to like open up and talk about this film 
for a variety of reasons, uh, one of which being that the core tenet of of the Latitude Society was the concept of absolute discretion, the idea that this is not an Instagram post, this is for you and you alone. But many people interpreted that as extreme secrecy. And so with extreme secrecy, why are you making a documentary? And for me, I never really interpreted absolute discretion as meaning extreme secrecy. I interpreted it as owning your decisions, the decisions you make, like having the best judgment you can, but whether or not you make a mistake, you know, owning it. And um, you're absolutely at will to have your own discretion for the way that you use the Latitude Society. Jeff Hull, you are obviously a key part of the Latitude Society. And I, I'm I'm curious, if, if in the film, you're a little reticent to describe exactly your origin story when it comes to this film. And I don't know if you, if that's something that was just a, a byproduct of the, of that d- discussion you were having at that time is d- how much do you want to sort of describe for us what your role is in, in the house of latitude? Um, I mean, I describe myself as, as a founder. I'm, I'm an artist and I'm a producer and I'm a reluctant community builder. Uh, <laughs> that for me, the the art and the experience is something that I think I'm good at. Um, and then the fact that these communities form around the project was really not my primary intention. It's interesting, you know, that dynamic and how it evolved. When you, when you um, Jeff, when yeah. you say when you say communities, what are you describing? What do you mean by that? So back in the day of the Jejun Institute, it wasn't even something we thought about, that people were going to gather together and to find this common ground and kind of form group identities around the project. So the first time I had a glimpse of that is shown in the Institute where there's 300 people in Union Square in San Francisco dressed in tinfoil um, and other costumes and holding up you know, beware the Jejun Institute signs. And we looked around and like, holy crap, you know. And then so when the Latitude came around, Jordy Aitken was like, look, man, this community thing is what it's about. And I was like, okay, okay. And so, um, and so we tried to facilitate that. And in some ways, it was very, very successful. And in other ways, I think people felt that, I nonchalant had failed. Yeah, there, there, there is a lot of dialogue in the film. There's a lot of back and forth among the people uh, in in the society, in the Latitude Society, about uh, success and failure. Sort of defining what success and failure is, what the parameters of what this is, and what it should be or could be. Which really, for me, I found this film to be endlessly challenging in it's sort of a, a, at a in an intellectual level but also in kind of a emotional level because I'm a big fan of going back to the days of Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters and and that idea of letting letting loose some chaos into the world for for positive and 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 I feel like there is some of that in this in that the undefined nature of it is inevitably going to lead to um, misunderstandings, but also hopefully some some 
unbridled joy in what you sort of are discovering as you go along. Is Am I describing, does that sound fair? Or does that sound like anything that you were looking at when you began the Latitude Society? Mike, you've very astutely honed in on my precise sensibilities about this project. It is and has been this loving homage to the uh, trailblazing kind of outlaw renegade culture of the Bay Area and that legacy of experimentation and innovation. And along with that is this sense of stepping into the unknown and not being able to um, rely on any single outcome. And the moment when those movements go awry is this sense of either ideation or idolization of um, this is the way, and this is who I am now. And I'm so invested in this thing that, or this idea or this identity that um, we become either unwavering or inflexible or so invested that the absolute discretion, which Spencer spoke to, it's this autonomy and it's the antithesis of a group think. And that's the moment, I think, for those of us who have been part of those groups in the past, we all understand what disillusionment is, feeling disillusioned, feeling that this isn't what it was all cracked up to be. And I think that's at the crux of the downfall of all of these West Coast movements. Yeah. Well, And, and I, I have to agree very heavily with just the usage of the word disillusionment. I've always found that a really uh, interesting word uh, because just the word disillusionment has always been pretty interesting to me. The idea that, like, you are no longer, uh, you know, experiencing an illusion. And I think what the latitude did was, create something that was very real but at the same time it is real but you need to understand that it is kind of it's an illusion for positive change you know it is a house of, of smoke and mirrors but at the same time that can be very powerful so when you're disillusioned you know i don't know that that can have two meanings it can mean a good thing in some cases and then it can you know there, maybe there's something wrong with illusions <laughs> sometimes well, yeah. if they're important to you yeah. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the uh, director um, of the film In Bright Axiom, that's Spencer McCall, as well as one of the founders and the subject of the film In Bright Axiom, Jeff Hall. I don't want to overanalyze this, but I still I feel like what you said, Spencer, about disillusionment, I think part of it is the the moment that you think it's us and them in terms of your relationship to the society and other people who you might find as them in your worldview mm-hmm. is when things are going to start to unravel. This idea for me is is that the world is can be kind of a joyful discovery. There's also the harsh realities that we live with, but the joyful discovery is so important. And, and breaking down those barriers between ourselves and others is also feels like the initial impetus for why you all gathered together or came together initially. 
I think this visual metaphor of us sliding down into that sort of rabbit hole, into the doorway into another world at the beginning of the film is critically important to understanding what we're, what we're trying to, what this film is about and what I think you guys were aspiring to. And I'm... Yeah. I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, please. Oh, I, well, I was just going to say that, yeah, there's, there's something really strangely ironic that ended up happening when, when Jeff and the team was, was coming up with, like, the, the fable, which is sort of the backstory lore, the psalms of, of the latitude. Um, the whole point of it is that there was this city that they had their ways and their customs, uh, but they were very weary of those coming in. And, and so they built a wall. And just keep in mind that this was, like, 2012. This, like, the term wall didn't have necessarily the same baggage in right. the lexicon that it does today. Right. Um, and so there was no intention of that being anything political. It was it was about, you know, these bubbles that we kind of, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there was no intention of that being political, and I don't think there still is. But what was just interesting about the way that the society started to coalesce was that they started creating these little walls. Um, they were known as guilds, but it was sort of like there would be like, and absolutely nothing wrong with this. I, I, I think this was, important and i but you know there was the the lady too so only for ladies there was you know um uh, a, a fair number of these but it was sort of these clubs within clubs and they ended up creating kind of their own little bubbles which was in my interpretation of the fable like not really what it was supposed to be um yeah. so yeah it was just interesting the whole thing is in another way. If I could actually add on to that, yeah. it's like we're talking about the story that we were telling in this, uh, you know, magical realist uh, tale, and one of them was you've been selected, you are special, mm-hmm. and there's this place that is just for you that you are entitled to, you know, through your process of initiation and to me this was like this kind of poetic exposition at the beginning of a really killer uh, experience Um, but then for certain people that became you know a real like element of their their association to the latitude and it was like so that it may have been the wrong story to tell to kind of sustain this thing. Well, it was a hell of a ride. And I, if it's anything like the actual experience of being a part of the uh, Latitude Society, I think it's what it must have been amazing. I, I can't think of it, you know, just uh, how it was and for those moments that uh, you felt that joy in it. And I, I'm sure you're carrying that forward in your life, Jeff. And Spencer as well. I think these are these are possibilities. They open up doors to possibilities, and I'm I'm very grateful for having vicariously lived through some of it with you in this film. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to get sort of one other kind of uh, point in that I found really interesting. Um, yeah, you know, I work for my my day job I, is with a basically a tech company. Um, what I do, and, and some people could interpret that as, you know, being the cause for, you know, gentrification or, or a, a lapse in, in culture. Um, 
I had lived in San Francisco for about 12 years. I mean, I was born in San Francisco as well. Uh, I left and then came back. But uh, one thing that was kind of, I noticed even from the year 2004 till the time I, I left uh, was was this lack of, of art and culture and the lack of just the weirdness that made the Bay Area what it was. Uh, obviously, the Bay Area has always attracted, you know, brilliant minds and artists and, um, you know, uh, just a myriad of, of different people and the ways that they think. Um, and so with the latitude or even Jejun, it was sort of like this idea of reclaiming the Bay Area as a place of art and creativity. And then recently I, I screened the film for um, some peers in the tech world and, and they were floored by the film, not for any reason that I was necessarily even hoping for. They watched it and afterwards had just like an hour's worth of questions all about the concept um, as they saw it around like premium models. You know, you see that in like apps and, and online and stuff like that. And what ended up kind of happening with the latitude is that it became sort of an allegory for a lot of tech companies, although it never intended to be that. In fact, it intended to kind of be the anecdote for, or antidote for, for a lot of that. But what it ended up doing is becoming a bit of a cautionary table tale around a lot of tech companies out there who say, all right, here's this thing, you can have this. And they go for that for a little while. Um, in some cases, big companies like, you know, Twitter or Uber have never, ever made money, but because they have so many eyes on them, investors feel that like, okay, well, you've got eyes, so you're worth something, you know, you're worth $10 billion, even though you've never made any money. And I think that that can work at a certain level. Um, but with, the latitude, like, they, they just reached a point where, you know, it just couldn't be free anymore. Art can't be sustainable. It can't be free. Like, you have to pay for art eventually, and and you also have to eventually pay for apps and yeah. software. Right. And right. so they were just really interested in the idea of, like, God, we've been trying to make money for so long, and we <laughs> thought about doing it the exact way the latitude did it, but now we're, like, afraid that it'll all fall apart and, and what do you learn from that and and there isn't really a great answer i wish there was in the film but at a certain point you know uh, i think somebody in the film says i want to live in a world where artists get paid and i do as well yeah <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it until we figure out a way to measure wealth as something other than monetary uh, other than the kind of the collection of assets unless we figure out another way to determine wealth that is always going to be something we're going to be dealing with so mm -hmm. well t yeah well uh again the film is in bright axiom and it is a terrific watch i really a lot of fun with it and um and challenging as well so to both of you to spencer mccall the director and to Jeff Hall, the the founder and the subject of the film in Bright Axiom, to both of you, thank you so much for being here on Film School Radio. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks so much.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.